Hello, it's me, Davin Youngs, and this is The Sound of You, the podcast that takes a holistic look at the healing and transformational power of singing and the human voice. I have to tell you the feedback that I got from the last episode. It was so warm and so affirming, and I'm really, really grateful. It has me very excited to bring you this episode and future episodes. So if you reached out, thank you. And if you're here again, thank you so much for setting aside this time to join me. And if you're new here, pull up a chair, make yourself comfortable. I think you're in for a treat of a conversation today. If you don't know me, I'm a singer, I'm a voice coach, and I'm a sound healing artist. And I've experienced firsthand the transformative power of the human voice, not only just for singing, but in the whole of my life. And I've had the privilege of being able to guide and aid others as a coach on their journey toward healing and transformation with their voice. And so it's my hope today that this podcast, maybe this episode and this moment might be a tipping point for you that what I share with you today might be just the nudge that you need to pursue a freer, more authentic sound in your voice, and as a result, uncover and discover your freest and most authentic life. Now, before we get to it today, I have a couple of things that I'd like to remind you of. First, my on-demand course called Inspire is currently available at a reduced price at my website, davinyoungsvoice.com. Inspire is some of my best coaching around breathing and breath for singing and the voice. It has nine videos, some accompanying practice tracks, and will help you understand the best coordination of your breath in your body, but will also help you investigate the more mystical sides of what it means to even breathe, what it means to be a breathing being that can make sound, and what it means to find your best inspiration with your breath. So if you feel called, check that out, give it a try. I know it can be an incredibly useful tool on your voice journey. Second, I want to ask a favor of you. I want this podcast to be a dialogue between me and you. I want it to be a conversation that continues to evolve and grow. And one way in which you can help me with that is to provide me with some questions, some things that you're wondering about the voice or specifically about your voice shoot them to me through an email, davin at davinyoungsvoice.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at davinyoungs. No question is too basic, too weird, too strange. If I think I can address it in a way that will be useful to the whole, I'm really excited to unpack that for you and with you. So I look forward to hearing from you. And with that being said, let's get to this episode. Have you ever heard someone say something, and when they said it, you just knew it was true? Like maybe you couldn't make rational sense of it in the moment, but on a spiritual level, it resonated. It vibrated deep within you. Or maybe it was like someone articulated something that you had not yet articulated for yourself, but experientially, you knew. A truth that maybe you had forever known, but finally it had been put to words. Well, the phrase or the quotation that I'm going to explore with you today came to me in one of those moments. When I first heard it, it was as though the lights got brighter in the room. It was as though 
I was experiencing a clarity like I had not known before. And I was thinking about, you know, using a quotation as the basis for a podcast episode. And I was thinking about a conversation I once heard between Liz Gilbert and Rob Bell, where they were sort of joking about the evolution of quoting someone that often people will find themselves saying, um, you know, so-and-so once said, or so-and-so often said, naming the original person directly. And then that sort of morphs into a great teacher once said, and then before you knew it, they find themselves going, well, I always say... (laughs) And this is certainly one of those quotes that could quickly turn into a, well, I always say quote, because I do say it so often. But I'm very clear that these words are not mine. They did not originate with me. They originated with my teacher, a woman named Jeannie Lavetri. And if you go back to the very first episode of this podcast, The Sound of You, season one, episode one, you can hear a little bit more about her and how it is that she and I came to know one another. But when I first heard Jeannie say these words, um, it was at a time in my life where I was experiencing their meaning, but I hadn't yet put uh, words to the experience. I hadn't yet verbalized what it is that was going on. And when she said it, it actually wasn't even in relationship to me. It was in relationship to what she was doing with someone else. But it rang so true that forever since then, these words have echoed throughout my head. So um, full disclosure, the phrase is the name of the episode. So if you've read that already, you already know, but I'd like to say the words to you now. I'd like to quote her and uh, just see how these land in your body, in your knowing, in your spirit. So it's this, to know the sound is to make the sound. To know the sound is to make the sound. It occurred to me recently that these words have made their way into my life and become something like a Zen koan. And if you're not familiar in Zen Buddhism, a koan is essentially an unanswerable question that one explores often throughout their whole lifetime as the potential path to deeper knowing, awakening, enlightenment. And while these words aren't offered in the form of a question, it's my experience that they bring with them that, like I said, that sense of deep knowing, but they also raise a lot of possibility for inquiry. What do they really mean? So with that in mind, I'd like to share with you some of my exploration of where I found meaning in these words and what I've observed in others. And I hope that some of what I share actually raises additional questions for you, as that's the nature of a koan. And I hope some of it rings as very obviously true. I hope you have moments where you go, yes, of course. But to begin with, let me start by just asking you this question. What sounds do you know? What sounds do you know? And then conversely, are you aware that there are sounds that you don't know? Is that something that you have an awareness of? If you're familiar with my work, the place that I always begin is with the body, 
particularly when it comes to matters of the voice, because there is so much subjectivity around the voice and there's so much subjectivity around your voice that it's helpful to ground oneself in some of the objective truths of the body. What do I mean by that? Well, often you'll hear me use the phrase function or functionality particularly as it relates to your voice. And the reason I do that is because there is a function to your voice. There is a functionality to how your voice works. And so often in our experience of using our voice, we get so caught up in the subjective elements of it that we lose track of the embodied experience, which carries with it this truth of function. So I'd like to share with you some of the technical specifics of how your voice works in your body. And I don't do this with the hopes that you necessarily understand all of it right away, but I want you to just listen and absorb this as a way of getting context for what it is that I'm trying to share with you around this idea that there's a way in which your voice works. Okay, so here we go. Think of your throat as a tube. And inside of that tube sits a mechanism, and that mechanism is called your larynx. And inside of your larynx are two tiny pieces of tissue. They're just the size of your thumbnail, and those are called your vocal cords or your vocal folds. Folds is the term that scientists and doctors use. So your vocal folds have the capacity, the ability, to act sort of as a valve with the tube. They can either make it more open or more closed. And the primary way and time in which they do that is when you breathe. So every time you breathe in, doesn't matter whether it's through your nose or your mouth, those two tiny pieces of tissue open up to let more air in, or they close to hold the air in, or they open up to let the air out. What's amazing and incredible about those two tiny pieces of tissue, about your vocal folds, is that when you think it with your brain, when you think to yourself, I want to make a sound, I want my voice to be heard, you can push the air through those two tiny pieces of tissue in a way that creates a wave. The tissue comes together, the closure comes together in the form of a wave, and that wave creates vibration, and that vibration, it bounces off the hard and the soft surfaces of your neck and your throat and your head and your face, and it echoes out into the world around you, and that is the sound of your voice. So, like I said, there's a way in which this works. There's a functionality to making that sound, to sharing your voice. There's actually a coordination of this in your body, and it all stems from the vocal folds. Think about it like this. Think about it um, in the framework of cars. <laughs> and this is a stretch of an analogy for me because I don't actually know that much about cars, but I think my knowledge does allow me to know this. So in your mind, I want you to picture... Um, like a Toyota Camry and um, some sort of Mercedes and a Jeep. And then, <laughs> I don't know why this, a Dodge Caravan. <laughs> okay, so imagine all of these sitting next to each other. And um, imagine that someone had told you and me that none of them were electric vehicles. They were all 
good old-fashioned gas guzzlers. So even though we're looking at these cars and we know they're very different cars, they have very different shapes and they're different sizes and different bodies. There are also things that we know to be true about all of them. And one of those things that we can know to be true is that they all have an engine and that the engine is the source um, to how they run, how do they move. Now, they need gas too. And I'll just say that we can extend that to our breath. But we know that if we have gas in the tank and uh, we put the key in and we turn it on, that the engine will fire and that that's what makes all of those cars run. This is what I'm trying to say to you about your voice, that your larynx and particularly your vocal folds are like the engine to your car. And despite the fact that we all have different bodies to our car, and we'll talk more about that later, we all, assuming everything is where it is on most of us, have an engine in our car and there's a way in which that engine works. And just to extend the analogy even further, if you were to take any of those cars to a generalized mechanic because something was wrong with the engine, even if they didn't specialize in that car, or maybe they had never even driven that car, if they knew about how engines work, there's a chance that they could fix your car for you. And uh, this is what a good voice coach or voice teacher does. They understand the basic functionality of the engine and they understand um, what it might mean to get it running. Okay, are you following me here? Is this making sense? Because I'd like to complicate it just a little bit more. Remember how I said your vocal folds, when you push air through, create a wave. You are creating a wave. The source of your sound is a wave that turns into vibration. Well, for all intents and purposes, there are infinite variations of that wave. That wave takes on an unfathomable amount of different shapes and sizes. This is what is so incredible about the human voice. It's, it's bounds we don't know. But within infinity, <laughs> there are categories of waves. And primarily, there are three categories. And those three categories are associated with three different functions of the voice. Those categories are typically referred to as vocal register or registration. So the lower register is often referred to as chest register or chest voice. The upper register is often referred to as head register or head voice. And if you fancy, there's a middle register or a middle registration that is referred to as mix. Some people call it blended. People have all sorts of names for this. But today, um, and in my work, we are going to be using the terms head, chest, and mix. Okay, so through science, we know that those three registrations have coordinated qualities to them. And through the magic that is human sharing, we also know that most people experience those three um, categories of waves similarly. So most people express that chest register feels like chest register and head register feels like head register and mix feels <laughs> confusing, but ultimately when you get to know it, it feels like a mix. There's a vibrational experience. There's a somatic experience. There is a knowing of those types of sounds. 
Which brings us back to our original quotation. Based on everything I've told you, there is a functionality to your voice, and it's the same as everyone else's. But within that functionality, there are different qualities, different registers, different categories, and different types of sounds that you can make. And depending upon your conditioning as a person, and depending upon your conditioning in your body, you and me and everyone else are prone toward having more ease and comfort in coordinating certain types of sounds more than others. Let me see if I can say this more simply. Because you're a human and you have a throat, and inside of your throat you have a larynx, and inside of your larynx you have vocal folds, in regardless of your sex or your gender expression or your shape or your size, you have the capacity to make sounds that we may agree are chest register, sounds that are head register, and sounds that are some kind of a mix. And there is an experience to those sounds, and that experience and the coordination that it takes to make those sounds makes you like everybody else. I mean it, everybody. And when you can really know that this is fundamentally true about what it is that your body can do, the functionality of your body, and about your potential, it can really free you up. Because I'm saying that you have this infinite capacity. And I'm saying that part of being a human is that you haven't touched all of it. And what I'm saying is that some of it, because of just being alive, you actually know pretty well. And then some of it, you don't know at all. And often, all the time, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know until someone shows you. So often people come through my virtual door and they have what they think is a pretty solid understanding of particularly what's wrong with their voice. But when they actually sing for me, the only thing we both know in the moment, the only thing we both know to be true are the sounds that they make. And the only categories we have for communication are these categories of these different types of sounds, these categories that name the sound and name the experience. And so when things get stuck, when things get tight, when things crack, when things feel like they don't move, when things feel like they flow out freely, that all speaks to the sounds that they know and the sounds that they don't know. You know, I had many years of not knowing a lot of sounds. If you go back to the first episode, like I mentioned earlier, and you hear the story of how it is that I found healing and transformation in my voice, a pinnacle point in that journey was a moment where I was in a master class with Jeannie Levetri, and she graciously and very truthfully guided me into making some new sounds. You might recall that I grew up singing in a classical style of singing, and uh, I developed what I often refer to as a heroic baritone. I would sing in this big, chesty sound. It was chest dominant. 
And then as I became an adult and I worked with a lot of other different types of singers as a private teacher, I also developed quite a capacity in my head voice. I had a, a really lovely head register that I could use quite freely. But in hindsight, the phrase that comes to mind most often when I think about my voice is, ne'er the twain shall meet. I had not developed any capacity to mix my voice. So when I sang for Jeannie that day and she heard me, I know now that in her mind she thought to herself, well, this guy doesn't have a mix. <laughs> and so then she proceeded to take me through a bunch of exercises that would introduce me into the experience of making mixed sounds or finding the category of wave that is mixed voice. And I have to say that my experience in that moment was not favorable. It wasn't good. I had so much ego attached to the sounds that I made and so much unknowing about this area that she was asking me to venture into that I felt a lot of resistance. In fact, I just didn't like the sounds that she had me make. And after I sang and then I went back into the audience and I sat next to a friend and I asked her, how did that sound? And I fully expected her to say, that sounded weird. <laughs> what were you doing? But her reaction was, that sounded great. You have to pursue that more. Explore that more. That's it. That's where you need to go. And so that sparked a new journey for me. That was the moment of realization that there were sounds that I simply didn't know. And you know, there's another freeing aspect to what it is that I'm saying that I hope that you might pick up on. And it's around this language around sounds. I have a question. What is your voice? I mean, really, what is your voice? If we were in a room full of 100 people right now, they would all have incredibly different answers. But based on what I've told you, technically speaking, in your body, what is your voice? Well, I'm sorry if this feels disappointing <laughs> because it's not so grand of an answer, but your voice is just a bunch of sounds. It's just a bunch of sounds. And what's more is that each of those sounds does not have within it any great meaning in and of itself. None of those sounds are anything other than the sounds that they are. When you use them in combination, when you use them with varied intention, they then can gather additional meaning. But the truth of the matter is, chest voice is chest voice is chest voice. Head voice is head voice is head voice. Mix is mix is mix. You know, I'll quote Jeannie again. She often says, a larynx is a larynx is a larynx. And that's the same thing as looking at those cars and knowing that those cars are all so different. But an engine is an engine is an engine. And this can be so liberating if you can embrace the fact that you're just making a bunch of sounds, that you're just exploring a bunch of sounds, that you're just trying to get to know more sounds. And I know it sounds like I'm speaking out both sides of my mouth here because I'm like, this stuff will change your life. This is going to transform who you are. And yes, I believe that to be true, but I believe it begins with the letting go that's required when you just say, I'm going to try a new sound. I'm going to explore a new sound. Oof. 
<laughs> I've got more to share on this. But before I do, I thought it might be fun to tell you a couple of peculiarities I've noticed over time when I think about this idea of to know the sound is to make the sound and what that means around the functionality, the experience of the functionality of the sound in our body. And the first has to do with being able to hear these sounds. So I'm certainly open to someone arguing with me about this, but it's my experience over a lot of years that people who struggle to make certain sounds also struggle to hear those sounds or identify those sounds in others. And when one begins to make sounds that they haven't made before, when they start to know new sounds within their chest voice, their head voice, or their mix, they can then more easily identify those sounds in others. Let me say it like this. It's hard to hear sounds that you can't make. It's easier to hear sounds that you can make. And so this has always been really fascinating to me because I've witnessed time and time again people simply misidentifying sounds or misunderstanding sounds. I mean, maybe they don't even have the language that I'm offering here, but they'll hear someone else make a sound and they'll think that they know what it is and they'll try to interpret that sound in their body. And sometimes they know that they definitely can't make that sound, but other times they'll convince themselves that they are making a similar sound to what it is that they've heard. And because they haven't made the sound before, the similar sound could be way off. It could be really far off in terms of these categories, those qualities, head, chest, and mix that we're talking about. And this is why this process is not best achieved in isolation. Having someone to listen to you and tell you what it is that they hear and particularly someone who understands what they hear based on what they too have experienced in their body and how it is that they understand the functionality of the body. It's a necessary component to bring you back to the reality of the sounds that you're actually making because no fault of your own, you're only making the sounds that you know until someone else guides you into new sounds. One incredible aspect of this peculiarity or this phenomena that I'm referring to is that when one then understands the sound, knows the sound in their body, and is then able to listen to others and know the sound as they are making it, I've also just observed that this creates a compassionate point of view. Like once I have had that experience in my body and I know what it feels like, I know that sound because I've made that sound. And then I hear you make that sound or I hear you struggle to make that sound. I can then actually relate to your experience. If you're successful, I will experience sympathetic joy around your success. I will feel the gravity, the importance, the miraculous nature of what it is that you've done as you've coordinated that functionality in your body to make that sound. And when you struggle, I will hear that struggle compassionately because I too have struggled. I know what it's like to not know certain sounds. And I know what it's like to be finding my way into new sounds. As a quick side note, people often ask me if I find it difficult to listen to a quote unquote bad singer, 
which I would always reframe with more generous terminology and say, do I find it difficult to listen to someone who's struggling in their voice? And my answer is unequivocally no. In fact, I find it to be one of the most exciting things to notice because my curiosity gets perked. My curiosity kicks in and I start to wonder, what are the functionalities of their voice that are inhibited? What are the ways in which they're struggling in their body to make the sound? And what sounds do they know and what sounds don't they know? And what might that mean for where they are in their life? To me, this is one of the gifts of my own struggle and my own learning. That because I've had the experiences I've had, I can look at others who maybe haven't yet had these experiences or are in the midst of these experiences, and I can connect with them more deeply on their journey. I can connect with them in my heart around what it is to be a human with a voice that just wants to sing. Okay, so on to peculiarity number two. And this one is really paradoxical, but I think it's interesting to consider. So it is also my experience that just because someone sings well and can make a lot of different sounds, that does not mean that they know the sounds. Okay, but based on everything I've said so far, that doesn't necessarily make any sense, does it? I mean, if the phrase is to know the sound is to make the sound, shouldn't those people who make all those sounds also then know the sound? Well, this is, this is how and why I embrace this phrase as a koan, because it's so rich in its depth. And might I offer that while knowing the sound is making the sound, making the sound is not necessarily knowing the sound. I actually know someone who has worked with one of the most famous singers on the planet in preparation for a concert. And that person walked away from that experience. It was sort of a one-and-done voice lesson situation. They walked away from that experience, having worked with this very, very, very famous, successful, incredible singer, feeling like that person didn't know anything about their voice. They seemed entirely oblivious or unaware of how it was that their voice even worked. And I've experienced this personally, too. I've experienced working with singers who had a tremendous amount of aptitude, a tremendous amount of skill and ability, and a tremendous amount of natural gift and talent, but they hadn't ever become intimate with their voice. They hadn't become aware of their voice in a way that opened them up to understand more fully what sounds they actually knew and what sounds that they didn't know. And remember I said earlier too, that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you are the best singer on the planet. It doesn't matter if you've never uttered a peep out loud. Regardless, you have sounds that you can make more successfully and you have sounds that you struggle to make. And part of the unfolding of this journey, regardless of who we are, regardless of, you know, at what level we're doing, what it is that we're doing, is opening ourselves up to the possibility of continually knowing new sounds. The universe is abundant and your body, it's always changing. So when could any of us have possibly known all of the sounds? 
there's sort of a humility that's built into that truth. That's why I love it so much. It's, it's like the great equalizer. None of us know all of the sounds. All of us will forever, because of the natural abundance of the universe, have more sounds to know. And what's even more incredible about this is that it favors the person that is able to be open to the possibility of this truth. The person that's willing to explore infinity. The person that's able and willing to experiment and play and just soak it all in and learn. And all of us can potentially find ourselves at this moment with this posture, with this receptivity. I will add that sometimes the people that are able to find this the quickest are the people that have the least experience. They seem to be able to enter the room and find a beginner's mind because there's much less at stake. And often the people that have the most experience and the most natural giftedness and skill and talent and ability are the people that have the most stories. And they are often the people that meet the most resistance. I mean, remember what I told you about standing on the stage when Jeannie introduced me to my mixed voice and I just didn't like the sound. That's because I was married to the sounds that I was making. I didn't know that at the time, but I was very committed to those sounds as being the most beautiful in the hierarchy of sounds. And so when she introduced me to different sounds, I just heard them as weird and potentially unlikable. But for whatever reason, after that, I was ready. I was ready to learn more about these sounds that I didn't know and therefore didn't like. And subsequently, I was ready to learn more about the parts of myself that I didn't know and therefore didn't like. Actually, I think that leads me perfectly into the next part of this conversation. We've been talking about the somatic aspect, the functionality of your body, the reality of different types of sounds in your body and what it feels like to know them and what's at stake in making new sounds. But now I want to discuss with you this notion of identity as it relates to sounds, ego and beliefs. And I want to start by asking you another question. It's this, what sounds are you willing to make? What sounds are you willing to make? And are you aware that there are sounds that you're not willing to make? Do you have an awareness that there are sounds that you are simply unwilling to make? I don't care who you are, and I don't care where you are in your voice journey. I have it on good authority that you have ideas around which sounds are appropriate and which sounds are inappropriate. You have ideas around sounds that you think sound good and sounds that you think sound bad. Sounds that are acceptable and sounds that are unacceptable. In fact, you may even have it deep within you that certain sounds make you worthy of love and other sounds make you completely rejectable. I sure did, and I've observed this to be true in so many others. 
it's fascinating how our voice can carry with it so much around value and worth. And I think this has a lot to do with this identity piece. So many of us see our voice as an expression of our identity. I mean, it's one of our primary tools for communication. It's one of the primary tools we have to say to the world who and what it is that we believe ourselves to be. And so when we make sounds that don't feel like they represent who it is that we believe ourselves to be, there's a tension around that. But then, too, the identity is simply a product of the ego. It's a construct. It's a story that has been created to prop ourselves up as something solid, as something that lasts. And so the story that you have about who it is that you are, it's so much smaller than the actual truth of who you are. You are something so much more expansive. And so is true about your voice. The story you have about your voice, the story you have about the sound of you, the sounds that you can make, they're so finite. But the possibilities are infinite. We live in a universe of infinite possibilities. We have a voice with infinite possibility of sound. But you and I, despite that truth, we are prone to staying small. We generally would choose the pond over the ocean. We want to find that which feels most familiar, that which feels most safe. And we are simply afraid of what everything else might have to offer in it, what it might do, what it might undo within us. And so someone introduces us to making a new sound, it's a scary proposition because that new sound calls into question all of the sounds that we have known before. Because that new sound facilitates a different relationship to who it is that we've known ourselves to be. So what sounds are you willing to make? My hope is, is that this podcast might move you in the direction of being able to answer that question with any sound, all sounds. I mean, at least once, just try them on for size, because by making them, they change your relationship to everything. I know this from personal experience because at some point in my journey through this technical work I was doing through my voice and through some more playful endeavors like improvisational singing and the work I do in sound healing, I realized that I needed to be an open vessel for any sound that needed or wanted to come through me, particularly as an expression of myself, as an expression of what it was to be in this body and to have this human experience. And the more sounds I made, the more willingness, the more openness I had, the more I could connect with humanity the more I could connect with others and potentially be of service to others through this instrument that is my voice. And the more I was afraid to make certain sounds, the more I clung to the sounds that I thought were good or bad, right or wrong, appropriate or inappropriate, the more I limited my ability to be a creator, to be an artist, to be a healer, to be art, to be healed, to be aware of the oneness that is.
Now look, you and I, we came by our willingness or unwillingness to make certain sounds, to hear ourselves in certain way, honestly. It's all a product of our experience. It's conditioning. It's the experience of our life. It's the time that someone told you that sounded bad. It's the time that you saw someone's face and it reflected an unpleasantness <laughs> when you sang a certain way. It's the time that you didn't speak up. It's the time that you suppressed your voice. Or it's the time that you did speak up. The time that you had the courage to step on that stage. The time you let your voice ring out and it just felt so damn good. Or it's the time that you got a well done after you sang. It's the time you were in that musical. It's the time you sang karaoke. It's the time you conquered that huge performance. All of this has an influence around what it is that you find yourself able to do. And I don't blame you, just like I don't blame myself. But there comes a point for all of us on this journey where we have to take some level of responsibility around whether we want to expand or contract, whether we just want to make the sounds that we already know, or whether we're open to the sounds that we don't yet know. Now, the thing about expansion and contraction, and this is an actual truth about the voice, is that you're either doing one or the other. I've observed people who are very fully committed to sticking to the sounds that they make, that they have no interest in expanding the possibility, or maybe they have an interest, but they are not able to reach that level of willingness, that level of openness and curiosity. And I've observed that when someone is limited in this way, Inevitably, somewhere down the road, they find things begin to close in on themselves. They find that the sounds that they can make and will make become smaller. And sometimes this is what leads someone to pursuing this work because they go, I used to be able to make these sounds and I can no longer make that. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of pursuit of expanding the sounds that they can make. Because like I said, this body, it's ever shifting and changing and growing. And so as we get older, the sounds that you used to make, they actually change in their nature. The car still has an engine, but the engine just runs differently after it's been running for a long time. I mean, some aspects of the engine might actually run better and some might take a little bit longer to start up and get going and might need, um, you know, tinkering with <laughs> once in a while. This is just the truth of being in a body. As we age, things change. They shift and they move. And what needs to change with that is our relationship to our body. And the people I most admire seem to handle this from the perspective of abundance and expansion. It's not something that gets them down. It's just simply an opportunity to open up more, to get more free. Actually, freedom. Freedom is one of the words that I think is most appropriate when I think about the intention of this journey of making new sounds and therefore 
knowing new sounds. When I said that on my journey, I had to decide that there were no sounds that I would be afraid to make, one of the byproducts of that decision was I just got more free. I really shed a lot of those old stories around what sounds I should or shouldn't make. And again, I've observed this in so many others when they can let go of the bullshit binaries of right and wrong, and when they can open themselves up to just allowing the sounds to come forth, they experience a freedom that they didn't know that they didn't have. And this freedom, it always manifests in some sort of joy. It manifests in some sort of (laughs) self-love. Because once you start to experience yourself as a person who's willing to make any sound, and you realize that the consequence of making any sound is just expanding further in your voice and expanding further as a human you start to see this abundance that I'm speaking about is not something that's just in the universe, but it's something within you. And all of those opportunities and all of the potentiality in your voice, it brings with you just a freedom of exploration. And again, I go back to the word play. You just want to play in it. You want to dance in it. You want to sing in it. You want to experiment with it. You want to explore with it. And you just see that all of that other stuff from the past, all of those other limiting beliefs, they weren't true. (laughs) They just weren't true. (laughs) The singer you thought you were, it's not true. The singer you think you are right now, it's also not true. There's something so much bigger, something so much more delightful, something so much more epic, something so much more joyful if you just continue to allow yourself the opportunity to know new sounds, to know the sound is to make the sound, to know the sound of you is to know yourself. And to know yourself is to know there is no self. So have I been successful in raising more questions than I have provided answers? (laughs) I know that I've offered a lot here and I've talked in some maybe curious directions when it comes to thinking about the voice. But I hope you've also had moments in listening to my words where you've known what I've said to be true. And I hope that this phrase, to know the sound is to make the sound, may echo throughout your head just like it has mine for so long. And I hope that it might be something that inspires you on your journey something that gives you the permission to open yourself up to a deeper understanding, a greater, a more expansive understanding of your voice and yourself than you have ever had prior. See, I believe in your unfathomable capacity to make so many sounds because I believe in my capacity And I believe that I've just scratched the surface of the many different sounds that I 
can and will make. And I'm so excited for both of us that this journey is ever unfolding, that we don't ever arrive on our voice journey, but we continue to embrace the newness of change. And I don't want you to struggle with the sounds that you've been struggling with. I know what it is to struggle and I want you to move through that. And I want badly for you to have the experience of knowing the sounds that I know because I want to talk to you about them. (laughs) I want to sing them at you. I want you to sing them at me. I want to be blessed with your voice. I want you to share your voice with the world. I want you to contribute your unique and wonderful vibration. And I want you to know the freedom that is the sound of you. All right, my friend, I hope you found this episode to be helpful. I hope you found it to be illuminating. And I hope if you liked it, you might share it with someone else. If you have someone else that comes to mind that you think might resonate with what it is that I'm talking about, will you send them a text message with the link or send them an email? And if you have really enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you would leave a review on whatever streaming platform it is that you're listening to this on. Those reviews help people know what it is that I'm doing, especially as I'm adding new episodes here. That is incredibly helpful. And don't forget, if you have a question or something that you want me to address on the podcast, by all means, send me an email, davin at davinyoungsvoice.com, or you can DM me on Instagram at Davin Youngs. Oh, and if you post about the episode on your social media, make sure to tag me. I'll be happy to share that and just would love to connect with you further in that way. Okay, I'm grateful for you. 